Welcome to Hillhurst United Church, the podcast. We're really glad you're here. Whoever you are, wherever you're at, join us on the journey. As we gather for the sermon time, I invite us to uh, pause and, and unite our hearts and minds in prayer that we might be open to the nudging of the Spirit. Let us pray. Spirit, as we breathe and as we commit to this listening, may our hearts be warmed, our minds be open, and our bodies engaged to a committed life. Be in our speaking this day. Amen. Last uh, Saturday evening, I had a delightful dinner uh, in downtown Calgary on 17th Avenue. It felt like normal. There were people out in the streets. And I sat down with uh, Principal Richard Topping, who's a friend and colleague, the principal at Vancouver School of Theology. We had a chance, we hadn't seen each other for over 18 months, a chance to reconnect and talk about what COVID's been like, what's new at the school, how our lives are, our loves and our frustrations with theology and church and all the passions of life. And in the midst of this conversation, Richard told me about a book he is reading and how it was uh, the latest greatest for him. And the book is called Dedicated, The Case for Commitment in the Age of Infinite Browsing. I love the title, Dedicated, The Case for Commitment in an Age of Infinite Browsing. He told me that this is his latest, greatest book because it's about teaching. It's about commitment. It's about realism. And so I Googled up Pete Davis when I got home and looked at his convocation speech. Pete Davis is a graduate of law at Harvard uh, University. And in 2018, he did a speech, which I want to show you three minutes of right now, that talks about his passion for commitment or dedication. Here it is. It's late at night, and you start browsing Netflix looking for something to watch. You scroll through different titles, you even read a few reviews, but you just can't commit to watching any given movie. Suddenly it's been 30 minutes and you're still stuck in infinite browsing mode. So you just give up. You're too tired to watch anything now. So you cut your losses and fall asleep. I've come to believe that this is the defining characteristic of our generation. <laughs> Let's call it keeping our options open. <laughs> Leaving home and coming here is a lot like entering a long hallway. You walk out of the room in which you grew up and into this place with thousands of different doors to infinitely browse. When Hollywood tells tales of courage, they usually take the form of slaying the dragon. It's all about the big brave moments. The most menacing dragons that stand in the way are the everyday boredom and distraction and uncertainty that can erode our ability to commit to anything for the long haul. As I've grown older here, I've also started seeing the downsides of having so many open doors. Nobody wants to be stuck behind a locked door, but nobody wants to live in a hallway either. It's great to have options when you lose interest in something, but I've learned here that the more times I do this, the less satisfied I am with any given option. And lately, the experiences I crave 
are less the rushes of novelty and more those perfect Tuesday nights when you eat dinner with the friends who you have known for a long time, who you've made a commitment to, and who won't quit you because they found someone better. We may have come here to help keep our options open, but I leave believing that the most radical act we can take is to make a commitment to a particular thing, to a place, to a profession, to a cause, to a community, to a person. To show our love for something by working at it for a long time. And to close doors and forego options for its sake. We need not be afraid, for we have in our possession the antidote to our dread, our time, free to be dedicated to the slow but necessary work turning visions into projects, values into practices, and strangers into neighbors. We should pick a damn movie and see it all the way through. This book is so awesome. I bought it on Monday. I've read it this week. It is a terrific book speaking about, I believe, our times, not just the COVID times, but the times we're living in right now. Dedicated is an attempt to make sense, someone writes, to show that commitment so often associated with conservatism and traditionalism is actually a radical act. Dedication is a radical act. In the book, Davis writes these words, which I think speak about this book and this time. Everything that matters takes time. There are no shortcuts. Teaching a student, advancing a cause, healing a divide, rectifying an injustice, revitalizing a town, solving hard problems, getting a new project off the ground, all take time. When change takes time, we need something more. Something can get us through the boredom, distraction, exhaustion, and uncertainty that can plague any long haul effort. And it is dedication. The book encourages us not to browse, but to be dedicated, dedicated. The word dedication has two key meanings. The first is dedication means to make something holy. I'm sure you've had this opportunity when you've been out and about and you've come across a bench in our city and you sit down and there's a little plaque and it says often dedicated in memory of someone, a reminder of the sacredness of this person and the beauty of this site. To dedicate means to make something holy. The second kind of dedication is to stick at something for a long time, to be dedicated at, with time for a long time. Pete Davis writes, we do something holy when we choose to commit to something. And in the most dedicated peak people I've ever met, I have witnessed how the pursuit of holiness comes with the side effect of immense joy. The side effect of immense joy. Have you ever experienced that when you've been dedicated to something and the joy of that completion? Maybe it's dedicated to a person or dedicated to a cause 
or dedicated to an institution. Perhaps it, it's when you thought you would quit and you stuck with it and you pursued through it and you achieved something great, a book study, a hobby, a practice. When I think about my work in ministry for 30 years, I've been dedicated to the church. I can't believe 30 years has gone so fast. My, my love-hate relationship with the church, dedication involves both that struggle, that hate, and that joy. When have you experienced the joy of being dedicated to something? In the book, uh, Davis talks about the fact that there's this sense in which we have this hallway, which he calls the browsing place, the culture of infinite browsing. And then off the side are these rooms, and the rooms signify a culture of commitment. He says, we're far more interested these days in staying in the hallway and just peeking in the door and closing it and peeking in the door and closing it and moving down the hallway rather than stepping into the room and committing. So he talks about the culture of infinite browsing, the hallway, and the culture of commitment, the rooms. You know, as you think about this, you know, and maybe you're feeling it in your body right now. There's lots of reasons why we don't want to commit. In the book, he said, yes, there are three main reasons we don't want to commit. The first is regret. If we commit to one option, and then you wake up one day, 20 years later, you wish you'd committed to something else. And there's an element of regret when we commit. The second is more familiar to us, fear of missing out. We realize if we commit to something, maybe we'll miss something better across the hallway in another room. The third, he says, the fear of association. Commitment threatens us because we might be identified with the group or the messiness when things go wrong. I see that so often in religion. People don't want to commit and say they're committed to religion because they know it will be messy and they're not sure if they can stick with it when things get messy. So Davis says we, we have a fear of commitment because of regret, of FOMO, fear of missing out, or association when things go sideways. I love this whole book and this idea because you know what? I'm a Teflon guy. I'm the kind of hummingbird I said a few weeks ago who loves to pop his head in different doorways but not really commit to any one doorway. And here he's challenged me, challenging me to say, what are you committed to? When have you been dedicated? When have you gone deeper and found the great joy that he writes and speaks about? You need to know this book is not a finger-wagging book telling you to put down your phone, rather inviting you to look in the mirror at your life. And I believe it is reflective of our times. In the book, he talks about what he calls long-haul heroes. And as we move into our hero series uh, this coming week, this tweaked my imagination. What does he mean by long haul heroes? And he looks at the, the people through time who have been dedicated to their cause and the joy and the change they discover when they commit. The first one he talks about is Martin Luther King. Of course, we all can see and Martin Luther King doing his speech in Washington, but he says, the years and years and years of commitment and dedication brought him to that moment to speak. Ordinary meetings, boring meetings, and church basements over the years led to that pivotal moment of commitment and his speech. You see, Martin Luther King was someone who was dedicated to his cause over the long haul. 
Or think about Mr. Rogers. We've, we've looked at sermons about Mr. Rogers. He did 905 episodes about educating kids about kindness and compassion. 905 episodes over the long haul dedication to his cause. Or we look at activists like Rosa Parks, and, and we know that she's the one who sat down and people rose up. But we look at her life of years and years of boycotting and organizations. And she writes, sparks go nowhere without the long haul gathering of tinder. You see, her act that we know about had a grounding in the tinder of long haul work. Or more recently, Greta Thunberg. Yes, we know she's been popular in the last few years, but there were years earlier where she sat alone with a simple sign protesting climate change. You see, in leadership, there are often these long haul moments that nobody sees, but the person persists. And it's that dedication that he's talking about in this book. Perhaps in the truth and reconciliation efforts in Canada, we think of someone like Murray Sinclair, who led that organization over the long haul, the many years and the long hours of listening to the tragic stories of people comes down in a report that is released. The dedication over years leads to the statements that come in the end, but it's the long haul that speaks about this great work. Or just think last week in Calgary. If you look, or in Alberta, I should say, Look at the mayors who were elected in, in Calgary of uh, Jody Gondek or Jagmeet in uh, Edmonton. Here are two people who are immigrants to Canada. Their roots are in India or Southeast Asia. And here these people have had jobs like driving a bus or, or working dedicated in school to receive a PhD. The two mayors in our two biggest cities have been there as long haul heroes, if you will, to now land in a great place to lead our province. The work through this COVID renewal is not a flick switch and go back to what was, but the long haul dreaming and imagination and hard work toward the future of our province. And I'm excited that these people will be leading us as well as the councillors in both cities, men and women who will lead us in the long haul. You see, these are long-haul heroes we may know, but they're also long-haul heroes right in our city. Perhaps it is the healthcare workers or the people working in restaurants or long-haul heroes who are single parents or dedicated hockey parents or healthcare workers or frontline workers or the Alliance for the Common Good in Calgary that's worked so hard for the LGBTQ and the Green Line efforts. All of these efforts are the long haul heroes that take dedication. And I love that it's dedication because it challenges me, the hummingbird who flits and fleets, to wonder about long haul commitment. So you're saying to yourself right now, hold on, I, th I thought I clicked into a church. Surely this has to relate some way to the Bible. Well, yes, we hold the newspaper or the book in one hand and the Bible in the other and say, how do they come together? Well, here's the thing. The whole of the Bible is dedicated to people who are dedicated. The Hebrew story, the, the key story in the Torah for the Jewish people is the story of movement from slavery to liberation. 
And when it is Moses, who is a long haul hero, who is called to lead the people, they wander in the wilderness for 40 years. That's a long haul, dedicated task. The people grumbled and complained. They wanted to go back into slavery because at least in slavery, they had food. And amidst the grumbling and complaining against Moses, he's dedicated to the cause that ultimately leads to liberation. So the whole story of the Hebrew people is about the dedication of various leaders along the way. The text that Sarah read a few moments ago is one I chose up to speaking about this very dedication. But something happened to me at 3 a.m. in the morning last night. First to the parable. You see, the parable is a story we often consider about uh, a judge who is, un, is unattentive, but it's really about the widow. Jesus was telling parables, you see, because parables have many different points and they invite us to wrestle for the one that works. It begins, Jesus told them a parable about their need to pray always and to not lose heart. So Jesus wants the people to not lose heart. And in this story, you have this persistent widow who continually comes before the judge, knocking on the door, looking for justice, knocking on the door, looking for justice, knocking on the door, looking for justice. Her persistence and her dedication, the judge finally says, she's worn me down and offers her the justice she's been after. You see, the widow is dedicated to her cause. She is dedicated to justice. She is dedicated to changing the mind of the judge. So often in this story, we think of God as the judge. That if we can wear God down, God will finally give us what we want, like Santa Claus. But the reality and truth of the story is, I think God is the vulnerable widow in this story. Yes, you heard me right. God is the vulnerable widow dedicated in this story. You see, God is the one who's persistent, dedicated to the cause, which is us, dedicated to getting our attention. Even when we're texting or browsing, God is always trying to get our attention. Can you imagine just for a moment that God is always dedicated to you, always trying to get your attention, always there even though you don't know it. Jesus was teaching about prayer. And in the middle of the night last night, I realized this. He isn't saying that we do prayer, that we read prayers. He says that we are in prayer because prayer isn't something we do. Prayer is something we are in. And therefore, we were always in prayer. Unceasingly is the phrase that is used. Everything we do is prayer. Our chores, our work, our lovemaking, our laughter, our anger, our frustration, all of that is prayer. And prayer is ultimately about consciousness. You heard a wonderful sermon last week from Don who invited us to think of salvation as not personal, but corporate. There is unity. There is only one universal salvation. And as I thought of this at 3.30 in the morning, I was saying to myself that prayer is conscious union. Prayer is a bigger perspective. Prayer is connections. 
You see, prayer isn't about the right words. It's the practice of returning to consciousness, to presence, and to our truest self. Prayer, you see, is not something we do, it's something we are in. Our prayer life is keeping the eternal flame of God's love and purpose alive in our hearts to light our way. Nadia Boltz Weber, a theologian, a radical theologian, you might say, writes these words, maybe prayer isn't the way in which we manipulate God, but it is simply the posture in which we finally become worn down by God's persistence or dedication. Worn down by God's dedication in loving us. God's dedication in forgiving and being known. God's dedication in being faithful and always, always, always God's dedication in bringing life out of death. I love the image of God as being the persistent, dedicated widow, dedicated to us, dedicated to love, dedicating to creation, dedicated to us finding and discovering our truest self in our own skin. You know, it's not unlike when you are part of a, if you've traveled in Asia or part of a yoga community, community you begin and end the session with the words namaste, which means the spirit in me greets the spirit in you. That is a pausing to recognize the people in the room are you and you're connected one to the other. The spirit in me greets the spirit in you. You see, for me, God is both almighty, powerful, and all vulnerable. Both measure, mighty and vulnerable together, like the widow the mighty widow who's dedicated to her cause. You see, I believe that this book, Dedicated, invites us to look in the mirror at how we want to browse and escape and be distracted. And we are called into the love and dedication of the God who loves us, who's dedicated to us, whose grace, forgiveness, and compassion is wide holding us and lifting us to be dedicated and committed in our life. I love the idea that God is dedicated to us. And may we be to get dedicated to God and to one another so that in our stepping forward, we know the love and laughter and joy and grace of being dedicated and committed. I'd love to know what you think about this book, but may you trust that we are loved forgiven and set free. Thanks be to God for God's great dedication. Amen. Thanks so much for tuning in to Hillhurst United Church, the podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and are thinking about someone who might enjoy it too, we invite you to send it their way and help the podcast grow. We're really glad you're here and we'd love to know what you thought about today's sermon. Leave us a review in iTunes or send us an email at communications at hillhurstunited.com. We'd love to hear from you.